0: Good morning, church family. How you doing? Going well? Good. Uh, we're going to talk this morning about excuses. i uh, put up here a little definition. Caleb, excuse is a verb. It's an attempt to lessen the blame, attaching to a fault or an offense, seeking to defend or justify to make apology for, to try to remove blame from. Seems like we live in a world full of excuses, doesn't it? Uh, Feels like all around us people are attempting to lessen the blame of their actions, trying to defend or justify their behavior, uh, working hard to make apology for what they said or for what they did. I want to begin this morning by sharing with you some real-life examples Uh, of excuses that people have used to skip going to work. Here we go. Uh, First excuse, I have a new puppy and I need to play with him. Can't make it to work. Someone stole all my shoes. Can't come to work today. I thought I was sick, but then I realized I wasn't, and now it's too late, I can't come to work today. (laughs) My wife found out I was cheating on her, so I need to spend the day retrieving my belongings from the dumpster. Mm. (laughs) I was in the bathroom too long and my legs fell asleep. When I stood up, I fell and broke my ankle. (laughs) Can't come to work today. We think our house is haunted, so we've called the priest. We're waiting for him to come. I'm not going to be able to come to work today. (laughs) I got stuck in the blood pressure machine at Walmart, (laughs) couldn't get me out, I'm going to be late. I had a dream that my cat died and now I'm afraid to leave her, won't be coming in today. I rolled out of bed and knocked myself out so I missed my alarm. Won't be coming into work today. A swarm of bees surrounded my car, so I can't get in my car. No other way to work won't be in today. I need a few hours to get the alcohol in my blood down to a legal level (laughs) before I can drive. Real life examples. I thought today was Saturday. I woke up and I just realized it's Friday. I won't be in today. (laughs) I climbed a tree to help a neighbor's cat in the tree. Now I'm stuck. I can't make it into work today. My son stuck a mint up his nose this morning and I'm at the ER trying to get it removed. I'm going to be very late. Final one. (laughs) My mom didn't wake me up, got up, and now she's made me lunch. I'm going to be late. (laughs) Excuses. There's even some pretty lame excuses in the Bible. Let me give you a few. The snake made me do it. Who said that? Uh, The woman you gave me made me do it. Who said that? Adam. I, I would have died if I hadn't eaten some of that red stew. Esau. Uh, I don't speak too good. That would be Moses. Uh, it's only a few bleeding animals. Saul, yeah. I threw the gold in the fire and it came out a golden calf. I don't know how that happened. Who said that? Aaron. Aaron, yeah. Uh, and then there are the excuses. Been here 32 years now and uh, why people don't serve and use their gifts and talents for Jesus and his kingdom and his church. Here's, here's something, and I've heard them all. Uh, I'm too busy with work right now, maybe later. I'm too busy with family commitments. You know, we have kids. Uh, my husband and wife, we don't get to spend much time together, so the weeknights and weekends are precious. Us. I live too far away and it's just a struggle to get to church and you know uh, gas is really expensive right now. I, I don't know what available opportunities there are. So I, I don't know uh, what, what I might do. I, I don't want to commit to anything in advance. I'd like to keep my options open. Here's another one. I'm married to an unbeliever and they don't like me going out so much. Uh, I, I don't know what gifts, talents God has given me. I don't have the skills required to serve where you're talking about. Here's one, Chad. The, the church staff is paid to serve, so I don't have to. Um, everything seems under control. I, I don't think I'm needed. Uh, you know what? I served when I was young, and that's a young people's. They should do it. They've got the time. They've got the energy. I serve for a while, but I feel unappreciated. No one ever thanked me. I don't get anything out of serving. And here's the one that's just plain honest. I just don't want to. Just don't want to. Excuses. We've all got them. We've all used them. This morning we're going to examine the first three judges in the book of Judges. Okay, so we're, we're in Judges chapter 3 this morning, and here's what you need to know. Every judge we're going to look at, the first three, they all had legitimate excuses for not serving what Jehovah wanted them to do. They all had real reasons, and yet all three of them overcome their excuses and were greatly used by God. It's really true. So here's our big idea this morning. Okay, here's here's the big thought. Excuses destroy success every time. Every time. When God's wanting to accomplish something, he's looking for people who are willing, not excusing. Isn't that true? He's looking for willing people, not people who have an excuse not to be used. If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read out loud together. The very first judge uh, in Israel, he was a man named Othniel. Othniel. And we're going to read verses 7 to 11 out loud together. You ready to read? Here we go. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel. And he turned them over to King Cushim, Rishmetham of Haram Naharim. Very good. And the Israelites sing Cushim, Rishitham for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ophniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Cusham, Rishthiathim of Aram, and the Lord gave Othniel the victory over him. So there was peace in the land for 40 years. Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thanks for helping us read those big words hairy long words and thanks for recording them exactly as they happened lord would you help today all those gathered here in your church all those watching online lord all those who overcame their excuses not to be here lord would you help us to hear from you this morning show us the excuses the judges were using and lord help us to learn and grow and be challenged by them as they overcame all the excuses that they could have used. Lord, we're uh, still that way. We've got lots of excuses for not being used. And Lord, we need your help to not go with the excuse, but to serve you instead. And all the church family gathered at Walloon Lake said with no excuses. Nice job. (laughs) You may be seated. Let me uh, remind you, Judges 3, excuses destroy success every time. Every time. When God's wanting to accomplish something, he's looking for people who are willing, not excusing. Not excusing. Three common excuses for not serving the Lord. With our gifts, with our talents, he's given us and all three of these judges overcame them. The first excuse, I'm too old. (laughs) You know what? I've done my share of ministry in the past. It's time now for some young Henry to step up and be used. You take my place. I've done my part. I'm retired. Second excuse that uh, is overcome. I don't have the abilities and the talents necessary to be used by the Lord and be effective In his kingdom. Matter of fact, I have a significant area of weakness. Matter of fact, I actually have a disability, and therefore I'm just not qualified to be used by the Lord. Third excuse uh, I'd consider getting involved in ministry, but I just don't have the right training. Or I don't have the right equipment and the right tools. So if I was properly trained, and equipped, and had the right tools, then I might be willing to be used by the Lord. What's interesting, each of these first three judges in Judges 3, they each had one of these excuses. They could have pulled out and say, Lord, I'd like to be a judge. I'd like to be used, but I'm sorry. I just have this excuse. I have this reason why I can't be serving you. Okay? Very first judge. Go back to the text with me. His name is Othniel. Othniel. But he doesn't appear first in Judges 3. If you go back to Judges 1, Caleb will put it up here for him. Judges 1, 12 and 13, he appears there first. Caleb said, I'll give my daughter Aksah in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kirath Sephner. Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz, was the one who conquered it, so Aksa became Othniel's wife. Othniel is the nephew of Caleb. Hopefully you recognize that name. Caleb was one of the twelve spies who trusted God who believed God was going to give them the promised land. So Caleb was one of the believers. Caleb and Joshua brought back a good report. God is going to give us this land. It's going to be great. And the other ten doubted. No, There are giants in the land. There's no way it's not going to happen. Even though Jehovah assured them of total victory. Numbers 13 is where you find that. And the people believed the doubters. And what was the result? They wandered in the wilderness how long? Forty years. Okay? So Othniel was a mature man in Judges chapter 1. And now approximately 30 to 40 years have taken place when we get to Judges 3. Okay? So if he's 30 to 40 in Judges 1... Now it's 30, 40 years later, which means Othniel is 60 to 70 years old, Myron. Okay? Young guy. Right? Young guy. Uh, When he steps up to lead Israel against the king of Aram. Okay? Listen close. Othniel is at the age when most men are looking to slow down. Othniel is is at the age where most men, most of us, it's time to think about retirement. It's, it's, it's time to put it in a lower gear. And Othniel, just like he did in chapter 1, doesn't put it in a lower gear. Othniel steps up and is used powerfully by God. Here's the truth. Othniel didn't see his age as being an excuse not to be used by Jehovah God. Uh, Othniel isn't saying, no, no, I'm too old. No, no. Othniel says, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, Judges 311 tells us he served the Lord as the first judge for 40 years. 40 years of peace in Israel under Othniel's leadership. His uncle Caleb lived to be 100 years old. Othniel seems to be right there with him, 100 or or older. So what was Othniel's secret? How was Othniel, at 60 or 70 years old, how was he able to be used so powerfully and so long? Go back to the text with me. Verse 10 tells us, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Cushim, Rithiathum of Aram. I don't have no idea how to actually say that. I don't. Yeah, just say it fast and confidently. Okay. Uh, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. So Othniel's secret sauce was the Holy Spirit. His his secret that empowered him to lead Israel to victory over King. Aram was the Holy Spirit. Now, now let me tell you something. The Trinity in the New Testament is. Tell me about the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay. Now let's go to the Old Testament. What's the Trinity in the Old section? It is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? It's the same, same Trinity in Old Testament. That's in the New Testament. They are the same. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Othniel is the same Holy Spirit that resides in all followers of Jesus in 2023. Same Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ today. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 6 verse 11 lived and empowered Othniel. And I'm convinced, give me your eyes, that one of the major reasons we make excuses, ah, I'm too old, I'm too tired, I can't do it. You know why? Because we haven't taken the time to daily drink and allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, to, to take charge and control our lives. I'm telling you, Othniel, 67, said, sure, let's go. Why? The Holy Spirit was a part of his life. And if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to take charge of our lives, guess what? Some of us are saying, no, I'm, I'm just too old. No, 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 you're not. The, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives, the greatest power in all of history lives in us. No, no, you're not too old and too weak Uh, we just haven't been in the habit of allowing the Holy Spirit to take charge of our lives age is not a good excuse to not be serving the Lord and I notice it's very quiet in here but I'm going to say it again Uh, age is never an excuse not to be serving the Lord there's always something at whatever age you're at to be serving the Lord and I suspect for most of us, uh, 60 to 70, uh, we're, we're at Othniel's age or younger. Okay? Few of you older, but he served the Lord for 40 more years. 40 years of peace as Othniel served as the judge of Israel. And here's the truth. He'll continue to use you too, if you'll let him. If you'll allow his spirit start flowing and daily making that a daily that is the most important daily commitment the daily habit that we can do as followers of King Jesus it really is and Othniel shows us the way in verse 10 really does now Othniel dies verse 11 and the sin cycle starts again Uh, and after 40 years of peace now, the Lord allows a band of Moabites to take possession of his, of his people, his chosen people. And this time, the captivity is for 18 years. Uh, at first, it was for eight. Now, it's 18, 10 more years than before. Let's go back to the text. Verse 12 is here what it says. It says, uh, Once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms, and the Israelites Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. City of Palms, anything important that you can think of that ever happened in Jericho, the city of Palms. Think with me now. They've already walked around Jericho and blew horns and the walls of Jericho did what? They fell down and they won the victory. Uh, Joshua chapter 6. Let's read on verse 15. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gerah, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. Interesting. Left-handed man. We'll talk about that in a minute. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. (laughs) So the king commanded his servants, be quiet, and he sent them all out of the room. This is wild stuff. Ehud was left-handed. is what it says in our English Bibles. How many of you are left-handed? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Wow. We've got quite a few lefties here. I'm lefty when I eat. Anyway. <laughs> Literally in the Hebrew, it doesn't say he's left-handed. It says that Ehud couldn't use his right hand. Does that make sense? He, it didn't work. So, yes, he was left-handed, But the key, I want you to understand, he was left-handed by default. He might have been born with a deformed right hand. Uh, Perhaps his right hand was injured in some kind of accident. But you need to understand, his right hand clearly did not function correctly. So understand this, Jehovah God chose as the second judge of Israel, a man named Ehud, who was disabled and certainly no soldier. You understand? He, he, he was no soldier. Sends Ehud and his right thigh dagger knife, we're going to learn about that in a bit, to pay tribute to King Eglon of Moab, and he has no use of his right hand which means he would have been perceived by Eglon and his soldiers as no threat. Uh, this, this, this guy, we don't, we don't have to worry about him. He's not a soldier. He's only got one good hand. Don't worry about Ehud. It'd be a little bit like a football team sending out the water boy for the coin toss. You understand? So you're going to, and, and does football teams, do they send out the water boy for the coin toss? And the answer is no. You send out your biggest, your baddest players for the coin toss, okay? Israel sends the guy with the right hand that's disabled. He can't use it to go and pay tribute to the enemy. Verse 20, this is one wild story. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room, and Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger and the king's bowels emptied. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors of the room and he escapes down the latrine. After Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned and found the door to the upstairs room locked they thought he might be using the latrine in the room so they waited but when the king didn't come out after a long delay they became concerned and got a key and when they opened the door they found their master dead on the floor while the servants were waiting Ehud escaped passing the stone idols on his way to Syria then when he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim He had sounded a call to the arms. Then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossings of the Jordan River against cross from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites. They killed them all, even the most able-bodied warriors, Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. 80 years. For 80 years, the Lord brought peace to Israel with Moab. Track with me. And God used a disabled judge named Ehud to bring victory. Okay? Here's what I want you to understand. Ehud had every excuse not to be Israel's judge. I'm sorry, but Lord, don't you see? I I got a bum right hand. I'd get in the game. I'd be serving, but I've got a handicap. I've got a reason not to fight. I've got a reason why I don't need to get in the game. I'm disqualified by you, God. You allowed this to happen And yet, I'm telling you, he stepped up anyway. It's almost like Ehud read 2 Corinthians 12 before it was written. We'll put that up here, Caleb. Even though I receive, here's what Paul says, uh, such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger from Satan to torment me. Keep me from becoming proud, Three different times, Paul begs the Lord to take it away. Each time, my grace is all you need, Paul. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. Here's here's a great line. For when I am weak, then I am. Say it with me. For when I am, then I am. Okay, now you're all with me. For when I am, then I am. It's true. The Lord uses Paul's weakness to keep him humble. The Lord used Ehud's weakness to keep him humble. Give me your eyes. The Lord uses. Our weaknesses to keep us humble. Cause when we're feeling weak, God's power flows best. I wonder this morning, how many of you feeling kind of weak in some area of your life? Can I see your hands? Honest. Just I got an area of weakness. Anybody in the balcony? Got an area of weakness. Yep. I got really good news, okay? If you're feeling weak, you're in the position right now for God to do his best work. His most powerful work is when you're feeling weak, like Paul, like Ehud, okay? Now, Ehud could have spent his whole life pouting and bitter. I got this bum right hand. He had the perfect excuse, Lord, I'd like to serve you, but I just can't, I'm disabled. But Ehud wasn't willing to allow his disability to be his excuse for not serving the Lord. Look at verse 28. Ehad says, Jehovah God is working through me to bring victory over the Moabites. Ehad had a handicap, he was an unlikely choice. He was a weak choice, but he was God's choice to accomplish his plan. And it says, peace ruled in Israel for thirty years through a man who had lots of excuses not to be used by God. So, so I need to ask, what excuse are you hiding behind? What excuse are you using today? Lord, I, I, I'd really like to come down from the stands and get on the field and get in the game, but, but i got this weak area. I, I, I've got this, I got this area that I'm not able. And the Lord saying, no, no, no. When you're weak, you're strong. You're strong. Third judge. Judges chapter 3. Go back to the text with me quickly. Okay. We think he might be a judge. We're not certain for sure because it doesn't say clearly he was a judge, but it does say he rescued Israel. Verse 31. Uh, After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox code, with an ox code. Conquering nations, let let me, let me explain quickly, almost always took away all the weapons from any nation they had conquered, okay? Take away all of their swords, spears, javelins, bows, any weapons, arrows. Take them away, then they can't use them against us. But I want you to know the lack of proper equipment didn't stop Shamgar. His excuse? I, I'd fight, but, but Lord, I don't have a bow and arrow. I don't have a sword. I don't have a javelin. Um, I'm not properly equipped. It seems likely Shamgar was a farmer because an ox goad was a tool of farmers, okay, working with animals in fields. An axe goad, give me your eyes, was a pointy pole, usually about eight feet long, with a sharp metal point, okay? And the oxen, when they didn't want to cooperate, you would goad them and get them moving. On the other end of an axe goad was a spade to clean the dirt that would build up on the plow. Okay? Now now you got it? Here's the picture. With a pointy pole and a spade, the Lord used Shamgar powerfully and effectively. (laughs) With a pointy pole, a farmer's tool, God used Shamgar to do amazing things. He had a great excuse not to fight. Lord, I'd fight the Philistines, but I've not been properly trained. I'm a farmer. I'd fight the Philistines but I don't have a sword or a shield or an axe or a bow and an arrow. Shamgar used what he knew. He knew farm equipment. Shamgar used what he had, an ox goad. He used plain, simple farm tools. And the results were amazing. God used Shamgar to get his plan accomplished. So... What excuses are you using not to serve the Lord? Some of you very well may, you know what, I'd be used, but I'm just too old to be used by the Lord. Othniel, 60, 70 years, he didn't allow his age to stand in the way of serving the Lord. So I need to ask, are you using... uh, your senior citizen card as your excuse for not serving the Lord Jesus? Ehud had a disability, but the Lord, despite his disability, still was used powerfully by Jehovah God. So are you allowing some area of weakness in your life as your reason not to be serving the Lord? Shamgar? (laughs) Shamgar? He didn't have the right tools. He didn't have the right training. He was just a farmer with a pointy stick and a plow, and yet God used Shamgar powerfully. Here, listen close. We can always find excuses, can't we? We can always find reasons, but these three men, as our examples, pushed away the excuses, and the Lord uses them in powerful ways. All three of these judges demonstrate excuses destroy success every time. Excuses destroy success every time. Why? Because God's looking for people who are willing, not excusing. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for inspiring these words to be, encouraging and challenging to us. Even though it was written a long time ago, Lord, your word is alive and it still speaks. So, you must grow weary of our lame excuses, Lord, for not serving you. You must uh, get really tired of us hiding in the stands and finding reasons for not getting in the game. For you and your Son, and your kingdom. Lord, I'm asking now that whatever excuses are present here this morning that you might bring your answers and clarity concerning our situations. Thank you, Lord, for the examples of Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar. And Lord, you used each of them in unique ways. Please use each of us here today. Every person here who knows and loves your son Jesus, Lord, would you help us to move beyond the excuses and allow you to work powerfully in our lives? Final question, is it possible you have an excuse for not saying yes to Jesus? (laughs) Do you have a reason why you're waiting to say I do to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Psalm 95, 7 and 8 says, Today, if you'd only hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. Will you today believe and receive and become a child of God? Jesus, I believe you are the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood to wash and cleanse me of my sin. Jesus, I believe you took your place, my place in the tomb and arose victoriously early Sunday morning. And now, Jesus, I receive the gift of forgiveness, I receive eternal life. I welcome you, Jesus. Come take charge. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'd love to celebrate with you. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. Find me. We'd love to celebrate with you as well. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for uh, your book, and we get to worship you in song. You're awesome. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray all of these things. Amen.